This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winnie and the Pixie Knots. Episode 10 Pixie Knots Unite. You're not going to like hearing this, but I didn't get to talk much to the Orchid Queen that night. I barely had time to confirm that's who she was before we heard some noise coming from the kitchen. So I shut that poor, beautiful fairy in the chest and we ran back to bed. While I was busy trying to think of a way to set her free without Graham stopping us, Lou was raving about how shiny and pretty she was. 
she was more excited than I'd ever seen her. Even more excited than the time she came home saying she'd found a new fairy friend and had named him Pickles. The way she was acting, you'd think the queen was some shiny new toy she'd always wanted. As for me, I was having a hard time keeping up with the millions of thoughts that were competing for attention in my mind. How long had she been there? Was it possible she'd been there ever since Graham had found her in the flower at the dance so many years ago? Why was Graham holding her prisoner? I ran through all of the conversations I'd heard Graham have with herself up in the attic and tried to give them new meaning. Most of all, I couldn't wait to tell Oliver the news. But first, I had to reunite the pixie knots as promised. The next morning, Lou and I grabbed our breakfast and bolted out the door, not saying a word to our crazy grandma. We ran through the tall prairie grass to Jack's big, beautiful house. When we got there, I told Lou to go on ahead. I knew there was a pretty good chance I'd botch whatever I was going to say, and if Lou were there to hear it, she'd make it a hundred times more awkward with her commentary. I stopped in front of Jack's long driveway. Part of me was excited to tell him about her discovery. The other part still wanted to kick his head for wussing out the other night. Either way, I'd made a promise to Theo. If I was truly going to be a respected leader of the Pixie Knots, keeping my promises was a good place to start. Taking a deep breath, I walked down the driveway up to the wooden porch steps. They creaked and groaned as I stepped up to the front door. I'd never met Jack's parents, and honestly, I never really wanted to. Not after the way Jack would act every time they were brought up. They sounded really intense, more like drill sergeants than parents. Maybe they'd yell at me when they opened the door, or have their maid chase me off with a broom. Maybe Graham was right. Maybe they were bad news. Wait a sec. Graham? What was I thinking? She was bad news. Nothing she said could be trusted. With a shake of the head, I shut out my thoughts and gave the flimsy screen door a few hard knocks. There was no answer. I bet he can see me through the window and is too afraid to come to the door, I thought. I knocked harder. Come on, Jack, I know you're in there, I called. You can't hide forever. I banged some more and finally the door opened. A grumpy old man appeared in the doorway. The man's face had a permanent frown and he stared down at me with an angry, squinted eye. I gulped. All of a sudden I didn't feel so tough anymore. I shriveled back a couple steps. What do you want? He growled. Hi, sir. Sorry for knocking so hard. I knocked my door down. Better be important. Is Jack in? Now both the man's eyes were squinting angrily, like he was trying to see me in the distance even though I was only a few feet away. Jack? Jack who? I paused. Was he serious? Jackson Taylor? I said slowly. This is the Taylor residence, isn't it? The man's frown deepened. Girl, there ain't no Jackson here, and there ain't no Taylors. He went to slam the door on my confused face, but to my surprise, I held out my hand and stopped it. Sir, I need to find my friend Jack. Did you just move into this house a couple days ago? Do you know where he's gone? The man's hairy ears turned red. Young lady, 
I told you I ain't heard of no Jack, and I've been living here some fifty years. And with that, he slammed the door. I slowly turned and headed back down the steps to the driveway. How was that possible? I'd walked Jack home and met him here for as long as I could remember. Fifty years? That crazy old kook didn't know what he was talking about. Maybe it was Jack's crabby senile grandpa or something. I could relate to that. Just when I was ready to give up and leave, I noticed a path that started at the driveway and cut through the side yard. The kind that was made from footsteps walking over grass and weeds over and over. Curious, I followed it past the house and the willow tree, through the backyard, across the grassy farmland, and into the forest. The path continued deeper and deeper, winding through trees and bushes, never changing its course. After hopping a little stream, it rounded a large mossy boulder nestled between a couple of twisted live oak trees. As I came around the corner, my jaw dropped. There, built into a hole in the rock, was a little home, barely deep enough to keep you out of the rain. A stained and torn blanket rested on the dirty floor. Rusty pots were stacked in the far corner. A fire pit made of rock sat just a few feet out of the little cave. A handful of carrots piled up next to it, and a few empty cans of beans lay scattered about. My scanning eyes stopped, and my stomach sank. Hanging on a twine that ran between the two live oak trees was a dirty pair of overalls. No, it couldn't be. Jack couldn't have... I hesitantly entered the little camp. Since the hole in the rock was too shallow, branches were propped up at the entrance and covered with leaves and textbooks to make the hut bigger. I ducked under the branches and crawled inside. In the corner, I saw what looked like an area set aside as a bed. The only way I could tell was from the loose heaps of picked cotton positioned as a pillow. Next to it was a pair of pink Converse shoes made of recycled fabric and stitched together with twine. I clasped my hands over my mouth. He'd remembered that I wanted them for my birthday and was making them for me. Tears ran down my cheeks as the harsh reality of Jack's life finally hit me. All those times he wouldn't let anyone come to his house. All those excuses he used to avoid sleepovers and dinners. All those days wearing the same dirty outfit. It was because he had nothing. And even with nothing, he thought to make me a birthday present. I held the shoes to my chest and sobbed. I'd been such a terrible friend. Thinking of all the horrible things I'd said to him made me sick. I had to find him. I had to make things right. Wiping the tears from my face, I crawled out of the hut and followed a thin path that led towards the ugly oak. Before I could get very far, something at my feet stopped me. Traps. One after another. A hole, then tripwire, then another hole. They were the traps Jack had insisted kept him from coming to help me that night I faced the Lunas. Jack had told the truth. When I finally got to class, I was late. Mrs. Tinsley made some snarky comment about not being surprised as I passed her to sit in my usual chair next to Jack. 
I tried to look at him, but he avoided me with his sad eyes. I looked at his overalls, one of the two pair he owned, and then glanced over the rest of the class. All the kids were wearing nice, clean clothes. They were bathed, well-fed, happy. Jack stood out like a dirty mouse in a white kitchen. And to think it'd taken me this long to notice. Nothing Mrs. Tinsley said that day felt important. Not that it ever did, but after what I'd seen, it seemed especially pointless. What good was multiplication when you had to worry about feeding yourself? How would practicing your handwriting help keep you warm in a shallow cave at night? Poor Jack. The thought of all the mean things I'd said kept nagging at me. At lunch, I went over and sat next to him. He looked at me surprised. Come to tell me what a loser I am? A lump formed in my throat. I'm the loser, Jack. I'm sorry I said all those stupid things. You're my best friend, and what good is a best friend if she doesn't trust you? I believe everything you said, about the traps and all. I wasn't going to tell him what I saw, at least not for now. Jack's smudged cheeks smiled. Really? Really? Forgive me? Jack shook my hand and with a mock serious tone said, Forgiven. I suddenly remembered everything I had to tell him. You're not going to believe this. Know how you always said my gram's creepy, crazy, and smells like an old couch? An old couch covered with cats, yes. I looked over my shoulders and whispered, Turns out, Graham's even crazier than we thought. She's been holding the Orchid Queen prisoner in the attic. No. Shh, yes. We have to take her to the carousel tonight before Rudy destroys it and the Lunas attack. Yowza, that's big. When were you thinking? Climb up to my window at nine after Graham's gone to bed. We'll... Hey, Winnie, Luke said as he came strutting up to our table. Under each arm were two girls, elbowing each other as they tried to snuggle up close. Girls surrounded him like flies. Hi, Luke, I said in an annoyed tone. He obviously didn't get the hint because he continued. Want to come sit at my table? I've got a few pepperonis left over from my slice of pizza you could share with the girls. He whipped his dopey blonde hair and winked. One of the girls under his arm smelled his shirt, while another just looked up at him and cried for no apparent reason. No, thank you, I said, turning back to face Jack. No, thank you, Luke replied in a shocked tone. My words wafted over him like past gas. That's right, Jack said. She's not interested. Now beat it. Luke jumped across the table and grabbed Jack by the collar. What did you say, dumpster boy? Hey, I yelled, getting to my feet. Before either of us could say another word, my fist shot out in front of me and connected hard with Luke's disgustingly perfect nose, sending him falling back. His fall leveled his groupies behind him like bowling pins. Lucky for him, they were three deep and cushioned his fall. He jumped to his feet and touched his bloody nose. You little... His sentence was interrupted by a flying juice box that pelted him in the side of the head. Ow! What the heck? Flying in out of nowhere, Lou did a Peter Pan off a nearby table and landed on Luke's back. She hammer-punched his head with her free hand and mumbled every fake curse word she thought she knew. 
Leave him alone, you snothead, and bass face, and pumpkin butt! Luke squealed like a little girl and ran around the cafeteria with Lou pounding on his head like a crazy monkey. Jack and I smiled. Yep, the pixie knots were back in action. It took a few minutes to pry Lou off Luke. When I finally got her off, we booked it out of the cafeteria, Lou mumbling her fake curses and kicking the air as we dragged her out. From that moment on, there was a special closeness between us pixie knots, like there was some invisible superglue that held us together. We didn't need anybody else. We had each other. It felt great to be friends with Jack again. Sure, it had only been a day or two, but still, I'd missed him in his dark, shaggy hair and cute glasses. Come to think of it, I'd thought about him quite a bit while we were apart. Is that normal? Anyway, I was excited to meet up with him that night so I could show him the queen. Before I got him back, the idea of freeing the queen freaked me out. But for whatever reason, knowing that Jack would be by my side made all the difference in the world. Together, we could do anything. Later that night, when Jack's face popped up in my window a little before nine, I was there waiting for him. I had my backpack with holes, a flashlight, a small Tupperware of loose salad, and my glove. I'd been itching to use it ever since I vaporized those Lunas. Jack climbed through the window and landed delicately on the floor. She just went to bed, I whispered. What's that? Jack held up a homemade slingshot and smiled. Your worst nightmare. I cringed. Too cheesy. I've just always wanted to say that, I guess. He's just a slingshot. Cool. You ready? I peed three times on my way here. That meant yes. Wait, I have to pee now, Lou said, bouncing up and down. I rolled my eyes. Just meet us up there and hurry. We don't have much time. Lou tiptoed to the bathroom while Jack and I headed up to the attic. Jack kept jumping and pointing his slingshot at every shadow on the wall as we crept down the hall. I waited for him to let one go and give us away, but surprisingly he held on. When we reached the attic, I closed the door carefully behind us so that it wouldn't creak too loud. Then we inched up to the chest and knelt down next to it. Okay, I'll scoop her up while you hold the bag open, I said, handing him my torn up backpack. Jack held the backpack out as far from his body as possible and turned his head away as if we were about to capture a live cobra. Will you lighten up? It's not going to bite you. Jack eased up, but only a little. Letting out a long, nervous exhale, I slowly opened the chest. Brilliant, shimmering lights lit up the entire room and then dimmed, revealing the beautiful Orchid Queen. She stood in her glowing pearl gown at the bottom of the chest. Winnie, I knew you'd come back, she said in a sweet voice. You know my name? I asked. The queen smiled and her blue eyes twinkled. Of course I do. Why wouldn't I? At first, I was beyond confused. But then it hit me. Duh, I'm sure Graham had been talking to her about us for years. This is my friend Jack, I said, pointing to Jack, who was now holding the backpack like a shield and peeking over it. He's here to help get you out of here. The queen bowed her head. Pleasure to finally meet you, Jackson. 
thank you for taking such good care of my daughters. I swallowed. What did she say? D daughters? I asked. The queen looked surprised. You don't... She shook her tiny head. That woman! I knew she would never tell you! Tell me what? I asked. I was starting to get nervous. The queen smiled. Winnie, you and your sister are fairies. Daughters and heirs to the Orchid Kingdom. I grew dizzy and almost fainted. Oh, my dear, I'm sorry you're just now learning of this. You should have been told years ago. She sighed. Where to start? Let's see. We were captured many years ago, and your wings were clipped, the queen went on. I wouldn't expect you to remember any. Hold on. I shook my head and laughed quietly. <laughs> You're telling me that I'm a fairy and you are... my mom? The queen nodded. When a fairy's wings are clipped, they lose much of their magic, forget everything, and grow. Pretty soon they're just like everyone else. You'd be surprised to learn how many people out there were once fairies. It's usually those with extraordinary gifts and abilities. My mind was spinning. Your snakebite, the queen continued. The reason you healed so quickly wasn't just because of the drink Annie made with my pixie dust. It was because you already had the magic in you. I went quiet and stared at her. Jack's eyes ballooned to the size of grapefruits in his glasses. You're back, the queen added, filling the silence. It has scars, does it not? I touched my back and thought about Luz and my nearly identical birthmark. I nodded. That is where your wings once were. I shook my head. But Graham told us, she always said, Winnie, Annie is not your grandmother. She's... Before she could finish, her eyes grew wide as she looked past us. Jack and I whirled around to see Graham standing in the open doorway staring down at us. I knew this day would come, she said coldly. I see you made it out of my traps, Jackson. You're every bit as clever as I feared you were. Jack shook his head in disbelief. Let them go, Annie, the queen cried. I told you you could never have them, Graham roared. I went back to that fair and found them just as you'd asked. It wasn't my fault they grew too big for you to handle. The queen glowed brighter. You've kept them from me all these years and never told them a thing. All I wanted was to see my girls again. Instead, you made us your prisoners. Graham glared at the queen. You think I'm keeping you prisoner? She hissed. After everything I've done, that's what you think. She looked at me and then back at the queen. Fine. You want time to get to know each other? Don't let me stand in your way. I'll give you all the time in the world. She slammed the attic door. I ran and grabbed the handle, but it was too late. The locks turned on the other side, and the handle wouldn't budge. Graham, let us out! I shouted, banging on the door. Don't do this, please! I could hear Graham walking downstairs, and then the front door opening and closing. I stepped away from the door. Now we really were prisoners. She was going to keep us up here forever. Jack panicked. 
What are we going to do? He said, pacing the room. The queen floated up out of the chest and then collapsed. I scooped her up. It's been so long since I've shown, she said. I'm weak. I looked around the room for any hope of escape. There had to be something we could use. I looked at the chair and then at the window. It was the only way. I grabbed it and pulled back to throw it through the glass. Winnie, no, she'll hear, Jack cried. He was right. The sound of locks turning on the attic door shut us both up. Oh no, she was coming back. The door creaked open and I pointed the chair at it. In walked Lou with a strand of toilet paper stuck to her shoe. What did I miss? She asked, scratching her duck poof hair. Without wasting a second to explain, I threw the queen in my backpack, grabbed Lou, and bolted down the stairs. Jack stumbled after me. Wait! Lou shouted when we reached the front door. She turned and ran back into the kitchen. Lou! Now! I yelled after her. A second later, she came running back with a big jar of pickles. If the house were burning down and she had only one thing to take with her, she'd grab pickles. We heard footsteps coming from the direction of the backyard. Before they could reach us, we jumped off the porch and sprinted into the field. The grass and wheat shimmered in the moonlight, making our escape visible without having to use the flashlight and call attention to ourselves. Our panting breaths, crunching feet, and chirping crickets filled the night. But as we ran for the forest, a sound drowned it all out. No! came Graham's muffled scream from the house. We must have barely missed her when she'd gone looking for Lou. We made it to the woods, and I flipped on the flashlight now that we were in the cover of the trees. Following its bright beam, we continued running down the narrow path. I could feel the poor queen bouncing all over in my backpack. Had I known we'd be running like a bunch of banshees, I would have put some cushion in there. Lou came to a skidding stop on the trail. What are you doing? Hop on Jack's back if you're tired, I told her. Jack bent over to give Lou a piggyback ride. No, go on without me. I'll meet you there, she said. Not gonna happen. Get on, Lou. Lou! Before I could grab her, she disappeared into the dark. What in the world? Was she insane? Should we go after her? Jack suggested. I shook my head. No, she'll be back. Come on. Jack and I turned and ran down the path. Colorful lights from the fair were growing brighter through the trees up ahead. Warm light from the queen poured out the holes in my backpack and glowed brighter the closer we got. Her power must be coming back to her. The top of the carousel came into view. We were almost to the fence. She was coming home. I guess that meant I was coming home.